As I mentioned before, we're going to start in Psalm 33 this evening. I invite you to join me there. Psalm 33, verses 1 to 6. But be ready to turn, because we will be turning to several other psalms as well. But starting here in Psalm 33, our theme for the year, which we have not yet had a chance to introduce, we're introducing it tonight, is a new song. And so we're going to be looking at that this evening, uh, and then for the rest of this year, on the first uh, Sunday of each month, Lord willing, a new song. Let's open with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, this evening, we do rejoice, for even as we've just confessed in song, we have a new song. We walk a new road. We have a new peace down deep in our souls. And we know the reason for this. It is because we have been made new in Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, as we sing a new song, we are rejoicing in the gospel. And so we pray that even this year, as we focus on this theme of a new song, that it would cause us to rejoice in you, our Savior. That it's your name that will be lifted high. And we pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. My grandfather, when each of us would reach the age of about 14, he would take us on a a trip with him. He traveled all over the world, and and I, being the oldest grandson, I was the the first one. And so when I was 14 years old, it was about 8th grade, I think, my... uh, Grandfather was going over to a college in India where he was going to preach at a Bible conference. And uh, they had extra room, so he was able to take me with me. So my first travel international, my first experience of international travel was going to India with my grandfather. And I remember getting there. I remember getting off the airplane. I remember um, walking out of the airport and getting in this little taxi. And as we're leaving the airport, right in front of the sign, seeing this starving cow walk across. It was a unique sight. It's not something that you see around Des Moines. Uh, we see lots of cows, but not near the airport. There were several things that were shocking to me on this trip. Number one was how just dirty it was. We don't understand how clean our streets are and what a privilege that is. One of the things that really shocked me is I remember we, we got to this college, we got settled in, we had lunch with uh, the president of this college and, and his family. And the Bible, the Bible conference was starting that night. And the way this Bible conference was set up, they had a, an evening session, and then they had uh, the next day starting morning and evening, and then morning and evening, and morning and evening, all week long. So this was, a, I think it was a Monday that we got there. Monday night, this, this thing is starting. And so we get in there, we cram in there, we sit down, and this building they have Uh, It might be similar to about this size, but they didn't have any air conditioning. So the windows were all open, and it was hot. (laughs) And we're all sitting on these uh, little plastic chairs. So I'm crammed in the back. Um, They had a a translator, obviously, because my grandfather doesn't speak the language. And on the stage were all four of the speakers that were there, maybe three, three or four speakers. All of the speakers were sitting on stage that were there for the week. I thought that was kind of odd. Maybe they're just introducing them. So they get going, and they're singing these songs, and it, it is thrilling to hear them sing. They are excited about what they are singing. 
This is a truth that has sunk down deep into their soul and has affected every inch of who they are. You can just hear it, even though I couldn't understand the words. The joy in their voices. Finally comes time for the preaching, and one of the other guys gets up and he preaches. What I thought was odd, because my grandfather told me he was preaching. And this man preached a full sermon. And then he sat down. And I remember thinking, like, surely, surely my grandfather's not going to get up and preach a full sermon next. And he didn't. The other guy did. <laughs> and so we're sitting there. And he preaches another full sermon. Then he sits down. And then my grandfather gets up. And he preaches a full sermon. I remember thinking, well, maybe that was just the first night. Surely not every morning and every night they'll have all three guys preach a full sermon. But they did. Every morning and every night. Three full sermons. I remember as a young man, it, it, I was exhausted. <laughs> but when you looked around that room, they were soaking it up. What a privilege it was to hear from the word of God. Something that we often take for granted. That trip impacted me as a young man. I saw their hunger for God's word. I was challenged, I must confess. And that first night, after I got back and I was laying in bed that night and I was thinking in my mind, really complaining to myself. I wouldn't dare complain to my grandpa because I knew what he would say. So I was just complaining to myself. This is, this is crazy. How can they expect us to sit here this long? But as the week went on, that attitude slowly changed. So the problem is not with these people. The problem is not with these speakers. The problem is with me. Why is it that I can't sit? That I can't soak up the preaching of the word of God? Why is it that I don't enjoy this? Not only was it their hunger for the word of God that impacted me, but it was their joy. A people who had so little. Many of these students, I, I heard stories of, of some who, who walked for a month or more just to get to college. So they could learn about the Bible, so they could go back home to tell their family and their friends and their village. And they weren't complaining about it. They had a joy in their eyes and in their singing an attitude that I have very rarely seen elsewhere. How could a people who have so little be so contented, be so excited, be so filled with joy? How can they be so patient to sit and hear the word of God for three, four hours at a time? This trip really impacted me. It made an impact on my life. It changed my whole perception, my whole perspective. Brothers and sisters, as we come to Psalm 33, verses 1 to 6, we're going to see that the psalmist, his whole perspective, his whole perception of life has been changed. You've probably had a moment like that sometime in your life, an experience that you've had somewhere you've been that just impacted the rest of your life. It changed. It changed you. That's what we see here in Psalm 33. As we start out, we're going to see 
um, the reason for a new song and the repeated call for a new song. And my clicker is not working, sound booth. There we go. Uh, so we're going to be looking at these passages, Psalm 33, 1 to 6 is where we're going to start. Then we'll look at Psalm 40, Psalm 96, 98, 144, and 149, seeing the big idea of we have a new song because we have a great God, a God who's worthy of praise. The first thing we see is a reason for a new song here in Psalm 33, 1 to 6. And, and there's really two things I want you to note. The singers of this new song and the subject of this new song. Rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous, for praise from the upright is beautiful. Praise the Lord with the heart. Make melody to him with an instrument of ten strings. Sing to him a new song. Right here in these first three verses, we see the answer to our questions. Who are the singers of this new song? It is the righteous. It is the upright. And what is the subject of their song? It is rejoicing in the Lord, praising the Lord, making melody to the Lord, singing to the Lord. This new song is a song of praise to God. And it is sung by those who are righteous, who are the upright. Who are these ones? The singers of the song is those who know and fear the Lord. And notice that, that it being the righteous and the upright, it's not just those who know about God. But it is those who have an experiential knowledge of God. It's the knowledge that Peter talks about in 2 Peter 1. You have a knowledge of God. Not just knowing who he is. Right? I, I, I know the queen. I don't personally know her, but I know about her. I know where she lives. I know about her. But her family knows her experientially. They know her on a level that none of us will ever know. That's the idea here. That's the idea in Peter. That's the idea here in Psalm. These are those who know God. They've experienced him. They fear him. And really that makes sense when you think about it. Because you cannot sing a song that you do not know. You probably found yourself in a situation, maybe here at church, uh, or somewhere else where you're singing a song and maybe you don't have a songbook readily available and you don't, you don't know the words, it's not one that you're familiar with. Every once in a while, maybe you can pick up a word here or there, but you can't really sing along. You can't sing a song you don't know. There's a passion that comes from experience that you cannot just pick up by knowledge. You see, I could, this week, I could study hard all week long about skydiving. And then we get back together next week and I can just, I can tell you all about skydiving. I can give you all the facts. But it wouldn't be the same as someone who's actually been skydiving getting up here and telling you about it. There's an experience there. There's a passion. There's a love. There's something more than just knowledge. This new song is not just singing facts about God. It is the overflow of those who know God. Of those who've experienced, who've seen God. 
who have been made righteous, who have believed in him. And note the subject of their song. It is who God is and what he has done. Rejoice in the Lord, you righteous, for praise from the upright is beautiful. Praise the Lord with a harp. Make melody to him with an instrument of ten strings. Sing to him a new song. Note that the song is not only about the Lord, but it is sung to the Lord. It is for God and for him alone. He is both the subject and the one to whom we are seeking. It is a response of praise from those who know him. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully with a shout of joy. Play skillfully. Note that there is skill involved. A great God deserves orderly worship, free from chaos. It takes time to play skillfully, and yet it is worth it to praise God, to lift his name. Play skillfully with a shout of joy, for the word of the Lord is right, and all his work is done in truth. Truth and righteousness mark all of the words and actions of our God. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and all the hosts of them by the breath of his mouth. All of creation testifies to the glory of God. The earth is full of his goodness. Psalm 19 and Romans 1 also remind us of that. The heavens declare the glory of God. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made and all the hosts of them by the breath of his mouth. What an awesome God. A God who is worthy of praise. So here in Psalm 33, as we first introduce this idea of a new song, this is the first mention of this phrase, a new song, here in the book of Psalms. And we see that it is a song sung by those who are redeemed, by those who know God. It is a song sung by God's people about God, praising Him, lifting His name. As you move forward, then, we see that there's a repeated call for a new song. Throughout Psalms, in Psalms 40 and 96 and 98 and 144 and 145 and 149, in all of these Psalms, through the rest of the book of Psalms, this idea is carried forward. Sing a new song. Sing a new song. Sing a new song. Join me in Psalm 40, if you will. Verses 1 to 3. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined to me and heard my cry. He also brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock and established my steps. He has put a new song in my mouth. Praise to our God. Many will see it and fear and will trust in the Lord. We see here in the first three verses of 
Psalm 40 is a journey from the depths of despair to the heights of praise. This is where I was. I was in a horrible pit. I was in this miry clay. And God, as I waited patiently for him, he inclined to me. He heard my cry. He moved towards me and brought me out of this horrible pit, out of this miry clay. He set my feet on a rock. He established myself, my steps. And note this also, and then he put a new song in my mouth. He has done this. The idea here of this new song, again, the the subject of this new song, look at the next phrase, he put a new song in my mouth. What is this new song? It is praise to God. It is God who has given me reason to praise him. The psalmist here is not singing a a new song. He's not singing a worship song to God, trying to get God's attention to say, God, I'm worshiping you. Come, come and save me. Rather, he is praising God for what God has done. God has done this, and he is worthy. It signifies here a new start with renewed joy. This is where I was, and this is what God has done, and this is where I am now and what I'm testifying of. My God is great. He has lifted me out of this miry clay. He has saved me. To what end? Many will see it and fear and will trust in the Lord. The goal of the new song that the psalmist is singing is that many will come to know God. That many will come to to see and to experience him the way that this psalmist does. I want you to know my God as I know him. To experience his goodness. To know his love. I want you to know God. I want you to join me in this new song. That's the hope of the psalmist. As you move to Psalm 96, we have another mention of this new song. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Bless his name. Proclaim the good news of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his wonders among all peoples. For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods, for all the gods of the peoples are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Honor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Give to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Give to the Lord glory and strength. Give to the Lord the glory to his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Tremble before him, all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. The world also is firmly established. It shall not be moved. He shall judge the peoples righteously. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let the sea roar and all its fullness. Let the field be joyful and all that is in it. Then all the trees of the woods will rejoice before the Lord. For he is coming. 
For he is coming to judge the earth. He shall judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with his truth. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song this psalm starts with. Sing to the Lord all the earth. As the psalmist goes forward, it really reminds me, this psalm reminds me of the song that we sing, Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing. That's the desire of the psalmist in this psalm. Oh, that the whole world would join in this song. Can you imagine it? A congregation of thousands praising my God. Joining in the song of the stars and the angels and all of creation. Praising God. Sing to the Lord a new song. The Lord is great and glorious and holy and worthy of worship. Sing to the Lord. Declare. You're starting to notice a pattern that all of these places that say, sing to the Lord a new song, that the subject of that song is the character and the actions of God. It is those who know God singing of who he is and what he has done. It's not really a song at all. It's a life. It's a testimony. Psalm 98. Sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have gained him the victory. The Lord has made known his salvation. His righteousness he has revealed in the sight of the nations. He has remembered his mercy and his faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth in song. Rejoice and sing praises. Sing to the Lord with the harp. With the harp and the sound of a psalm. With trumpets and with the sound of a horn. Shout joyfully before the Lord, the King. Let the sea roar. And all its fullness, the world and those who dwell in it, let the rivers clap their hands. Let the hills be joyful together before the Lord, for he is coming to judge the earth. With righteousness he shall judge the world and the peoples with equity. Again, Psalm 98 is very similar to Psalm 96. It is an invitation to join in praising God, to lift high his name, to give him the honor due. Look what he has done. He has done marvelous things. That's the subject of the song, singing the Lord a new song. Why? For he has done marvelous things. As the psalmist goes on then to mention these marvelous things that God has done. Psalm 144, verse we'll start in verse 1. Blessed be the Lord, my rock, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle, my loving kindness and my fortress, my high tower and my deliverer, and my shield and the one in whom I take refuge to subdues my people under me. Lord, what is man that you take knowledge of him or the son of man that you are mindful of him? Man is like a breath. His days are like a passing shadow. Bow down, you heavens. O oh Lord, come down. Touch the mountains and they shall smoke. 
Flash forth lightning and scatter them. Shoot out your arrows and destroy them. Stretch out your hand from above. Rescue me and deliver me out of great waters from the hand of foreigners whose mouth speaks lying words and whose right hand is a right hand of falsehood. I will sing a new song to you, O God. On a harp of ten strings, I will sing praises to you the one who gives salvation to kings, who delivers David, his servant, from the deadly sword. If you're following along, that's, that's, that psalm kind of takes a sharp turn at verse 8. It goes in a direction we're not expecting it to go. Those who are against me, deliver me out of great waters, the hand of foreigners whose mouth speak lying words, whose right hand is a right hand of falsehood. These are those who are coming against David. But his next word is, I will sing a new song to you. I will sing. Even though I'm surrounded by these great enemies, even though it's as if I am drowning in these great waters, even here I will sing. Because even here my God is good. And even here my God is worthy. So even here in the midst of distress, I will sing a new song to you, O God. I will sing of your salvation. I will sing. A song of victory, celebrating deliverance and salvation. And in Psalm 149, Testimony of Israel. Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song and his praise to the assembly of saints. Let Israel rejoice in their maker. Let the children of Zion be joyful to their king. Let them praise his name with the dance. Let them sing praises to him with the timbrel and harp. For the Lord takes pleasure in his people. He will beautify the humble with salvation. Let the saints be joyful in glory. Let them sing aloud on their beds. Let the high praises of God be in their mouths and a two-edged sword in their hand to execute vengeance on the nations and punishment on the peoples, to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron, to execute on them the written judgment. This honor have all his saints. Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song. In the assembly of the saints, this is the unique song of God's people. Sing to the Lord a new song. All the way through, as we looked at each one of these psalms that mentions this phrase, sing to the Lord. We've seen that it's not, it's not a one-time thing. This is a song that spans generations. To all of those who know and fear God. This is not just the song of the the generation of the Exodus. This is not just the song to those who entered the promised land. It's not just the song of David after he triumphed over Goliath. It is not just the song of those who returned from the exile. This is the song of the redeemed from all ages. Because it sings of a God who does not change. And a truth that does not change. 
The testimony of this song is this is who my God is and this is what my God has done. And from generation to generation, God is the same. And from generation to generation, each new generation comes to know God's grace and God's mercy and God's love. It's an unchanging God that gives us an unchanging hope. And it is that hope that informs our song. All through the Psalms, we've been looking at a new song, a new song, a new song. This is not just a song. The psalmist is not just speaking of a literal song. This is his testimony. It is his life. I will live in light of this. The Lord has has brought my feet from this, this miry clay. He has set my feet on a rock. It's not a literal picture of the psalmist standing there singing, and then leaving. No, what God has done has greatly affected him, and it affects every day of his life going forward. God has done this. This new song is my testimony of who my God is. It is the new song of the one who is new in Christ. It's the song that he has given us. As I came back from India with a new perspective, so those who know God live with a new perspective. It affects every day of your life, every decision that you make. I heard an illustration once. I can't remember if I read this somewhere or I heard it. Um, the illustration was something along uh, this line, say, after the service, I am hungry, and I, my family and I are, are going over to Hy-Vee to get some food. But instead of getting in our car and driving over there, it's just right across the street, we'll walk. So we get to 8th Street, and I, I tell my family to wait, and I go ahead to make sure it's safe, and, and I step out into the street, and then I get hit by a semi-truck. I'm not just going to bounce up like nothing happened. I'm not just going to all right, guys, it's safe now. I took care of the truck. You cannot come in contact with something that big and that powerful and just get up like nothing happened. At the very least, you're going to have a scar. It's going to change you for the rest of your life. Brothers and sisters, that's the idea here. Those who have come in contact with the God of the universe, who have seen his holiness and his greatness. Those who know this God cannot just get up and walk away like nothing happened. It's going to affect the rest of their lives. We are a new people in Christ, and we have a new song to sing. So our theme this year, a new song. This evening I introduced it through the book of Psalms. We have that phrasing, a new song. But as we go forward into the year, my plan is to turn our attention to the New Testament and to work our way through different passages, focusing primarily on the gospel. Because that 
is the subject of our new song, Who God Is and What He Has Done. And so that's going to be our theme for the year, a new song, Our Great God. And so we're going to stand and we're going to close by singing uh, the song, Constrained by Christ. Which really, I think, fits the idea that we have just talked about this evening. Constrained by Christ's atoning sacrifice, without reserve, I offer him my life. Redeeming love compels me to proclaim. It changes everything about me, my whole perspective on life, and it compels me to proclaim the all-surpassing glory of his name with every breath that I take. Let's stand and close the service by singing Constrained by Christ.